The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, logging in to the Dr. Connie radio show, House Calls. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I sure did. I was... Very blessed to be up in Colorado. We have a little place in Colorado, my husband and I do. And my two sons, Andrew and Jason, and my son's uh, girlfriend, Erin, came to join us. And what we do every Christmas Eve, we go up to Aspen Chapel and we sponsor the Christmas Eve service. And the minister, Greg Anderson, who married us about three years ago, has this wonderful service, uh, non-denominational service, at 830 and the singer, the entertainment, or the, the music for the service is John Oates of Hall and Oates. And it's amazing to be just a few, literally a few feet away from this talented musician for have him perform Christmas music for us. After uh, John Oates does his performance and plays the Christmas songs and we, we sing along, my husband John, the other John, get, uh, gets up and does the reading for the service. So my hubby John likes to say that John Oates is his opening act. So he always looks forward to that. We always look forward to it. It was a wonderful service uh, to highlight our, our Christmas holidays. So I'm back for the Dr. Connie radio show this Thursday. We uh, have a great show for you. We have a very talented therapist, a healer, Dr. Jerry Law, whom I met about a year ago through my contacts in the therapy world. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him uh, towards the end of this segment, and he's going to be the focus of our interviews today, uh, primarily to talk about alcohol use, intervention, drug use, how to recognize if you've got a problem, how to recognize if somebody you love has a problem, and what do you do for them. But before we go to that, I, I, I want to go to our shout-outs. I want to shout-out to Dr. Barbara Gore and Dr. Jim Boulay, who run a veterinary clinic in Tucson, dear friends of mine, and I hope to have them on the show in a few weeks to talk about dogs and cats and pets and everything you want to know about your pet, how to be a good master for, to your best friend on four legs. And they are veterinary surgeons who have an amazing practice and a story about how they got to be where they are. So I hope to have them on board. Uh, I want to shout out to Margie in Imperial Beach. She listened to our last show last week where we had the Icondolo band. So if you haven't gotten your CD of the Icondolo uh, music for the holidays, please uh, log on to the show from last week and order one of those wonderful CDs. Also, if you're still looking for a last-moment Christmas gift, you're a little bit late for that, or a New Year's gift, don't forget the Dr. Connie memoir, The White House Doctor. You're, it's available on Amazon. But to Margie Jones in Imperial Beach, she writes, Wonderful, inspiring show, Connie. These marvelous young men, intelligent, creative, artistic, and spiritual. This is a beautiful revelation to us to absorb. So thanks, uh, dear Margie, for that. Also got an email from... Norma Kern in Colorado, who said, 
Uh, we listened to the program today uh, with the Christian band. We were very much impressed. It was good to hear the kids' testimony. God bless their ministry, so God bless that, and God bless you, Norm and Orv, for that. Uh, also thinking today about several of my former patients who are quite ill, I know that former President Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, is still hospitalized. In fact, they have transferred him to the ICU in Texas. The spokesperson says, don't be alarmed, it's just a precautionary measure, but our prayers and thoughts go out to George Herbert Walker Bush. I hope he can beat this. He's a true warrior, true patriot. He's a a very sweet man. I was very fortunate in my first year at the White House to have spent with George and Barbara Bush. So my first Christmas and my first New Year's were with them. And I still recall several things thinking back about him. Uh, we were flying on Air Force One one time to Camp David, and he took out his wallet. He was looking for a card or something, and he had an ID card, a military ID card, with his rank as Lieutenant J.G. That's as far as he went as Lieutenant J.G., but he rose, as we know, to Commander-in-Chief uh, after that. One of the things I remember is how kind he is. Uh, whenever George Herbert Walker Bush would talk about his daughter Robin, who died at age three of leukemia, he would always tear up. And so that's a very tender memory of him and how good he is and our prayers and thoughts with him. The other former patient I'd like to wish all the best to is Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton, who's recovering from a concussion. I know she's very tired. She's probably one of the most traveled secretaries of state we've, we've ever had in history. I know when I used to travel with her at the White House when she was First Lady, she was one of the most traveled First Ladies in history. So, dear Hillary, God bless you. Hope you recover rapidly. Get back, get you back to work before you turn it over to the next Secretary of State. I'm looking at the calendar, and we, we beat the Mayan calendar, so the world didn't end. In fact, the world's going to go on, and we're looking at not only the fiscal cliff, but we're looking at the calendar cliff as we fall off of December into January, into the new year. And I'm always excited about the new year. It's it's a new beginning. I start off with a fresh new calendar of things to do. I'm sort of old-fashioned. I, I, I have a uh, calendar that I write things into. I order it every year. I pencil in events because those can change, but I also write in pen birth dates and hopefully anniversaries. Those things shouldn't change. But I put them on my calendar, and so delightful to me is opening up a fresh calendar with all those pages empty and open for me to fill in. So this is a time for resolution for a lot of us. And my question to you is, what is your resolution? Let me know on the Dr. Connie Show. If you can email me at drconnieradio at gmail.com, let me know what your New Year resolution is. Uh, You can also reach us on Twitter at drconnie. I'm curious as to what your resolution is for the year. There are studies about New Year's resolutions, and at this time of year, you'll see them in the newspaper. Uh, The hardest thing about resolutions is making them stick. About 20% of the people go back to their last year's habits after a month after the resolution. Well, what are the common resolutions? Well, number one is uh, among them is smoking. About 19.3% of people want to quit smoking. The number one thing, as I go look at the, the numbers here, uh, the, the most recent poll is 77 per, 77, 77% of people just want to enjoy life, that they feel stressed out, one, either at work or at home or trying to deal with coworkers. So a large portion want to enjoy, just enjoy life. 34% of the people surveyed want to get fit and lose weight. I would think that would be higher. 
But as I look across this, tied for first with enjoyment of life among resolutions is to quit drinking. About 75% of the alcohol consumed by adults in the United States is in the form of binge drinking. That was in 2010, and it's probably higher. But a lot of people out there realize, gee, I need to quit drinking. And you sort of wonder about that, and we're going to have time to definitely address that in today's show. I worry about this time with alcohol. My experience with alcohol as a physician goes back 30 years. When I was a young Navy doctor on a ship uh, back in the 1980s, we would do visits to various piers or ports, port visits. And when you have a ship of about 700 men, you know, they like to go out to shore and party. And so when the brow goes down across the pier and everybody rushes to Liberty, Liberty Port, so forth, you know they're going to hit the bars. And one of the things I used to do as the ship's doctor on the USS Prairie 30-some uh, years ago was I would be among the first people back to the ship before the crew would get back. The reason for that is I would stand near the brow and I would listen to the crew coming across the brow to check in on the quarter deck. And a lot of times the crew was rowdy, noisy, you'd hear the people vomit, they'd be carrying their friends. But the, the people I would worry about the most were the drunks that were silent because then I worry, gee, that's somebody with severe depression of the central nervous system from alcohol and that person definitely has a big, big problem. Throughout the years, I've been fooled by alcoholics. I've had many dear friends who are alcoholics who finally revealed they were. But thinking, you know, I've been practicing for 32, 33 years, I would be able to pick up an alcoholic. But I'm always surprised every year in my practice, it's the person you least expect to be an alcoholic. In fact, this year, and I won't give names, I don't prevent their privacy, one of my sweetest patients I've been following for the last 10 years, met her when she was an undergraduate, followed her every year. She'd come out every year for a physical and pap smear and the routine things. All her blood work was normal every single year, absolutely normal. Liver function tests, normal studies, one of the most cheerful, delightful people. Uh, totally startled us and shocked us just this year when she tried to kill herself. And she tried to kill herself by overdosing on alcohol and painkillers. And she truly was a severe alcoholic. We got her into rehab in Tucson. She stayed longer for about three months, came out of rehab, came to visit me the day after she was discharged from rehab. And as I embraced her, I said, gee, that's a very strong perfume you're wearing. She goes, oh, it's my, it's my cologne. And I was clueless. I, I was totally clueless because I didn't find out till the ne- that night that she had gone to the club with her boyfriend, who she met in rehab, and proceeded to drink continuously until she passed out and was brought into the ER and had a blood alcohol 0.3 and was talking to me. And her parents uh, were upset uh, that this happened, obviously. Mother said, well, she's a little girl, and that alcohol will impact her because, you know, she only had a few drinks. So, you know, mom was an enabler. And ultimately, we got her to AA again. I tell her it's one day at a time, and hopefully she stays with the program. That's all I can hope for her, that she sticks with the program. But alcoholics come in all races, genders, shapes, sizes, you name it. Ministers can be alcoholics. The most clean-cut CEO can be it. Uh, Your most angelic college student can be it. It's not the notorious drunk that we think it is. And being in the Navy, I was fortunate in part of my training to go through the Long Beach Naval Hospital uh, Rehab Center, which they make all the doctors go through. I spent two weeks 
following uh, the rehab program there. And that was a program that they put Betty Ford through with Captain Joe Joe Persh. And that was Betty Ford's inspiration for the Betty Ford Center. And that was an amazing program. It still led to Betty Ford and to many other centers looking at alcoholism and the impact on the lives of so many people. So the purpose of this show really is to reach out to you. If you have an alcohol problem, this is the time to get help, to acknowledge it, and to get help. Also, if you have a loved one with an alcohol problem, this is the time to ask for help, to recognize the best thing you can do is ask for help for your loved one. And help is here. Help is here. Help is a phone call away. I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Jerry Law after the break. And Dr. Jerry Law can really help you in alcohol recovery and with his personal story as well. So please stay tuned to the Dr. Connie radio show. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, coming soon. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to the Dr. Connie House Call Radio Show. My prayer, my wish for this show is that at least one person sees the light 
and ask for help. At least one person says, I may have an alcohol problem and I'm going to get help. Or a family member says, gee, my husband, my kid, my friend has an alcohol problem and I'm going to help them. So if we could do that, that would be my Christmas wish, the best thing ever that can happen. Let me share with you some really sad news that was on the uh, news recently this past week. And the headline is, Collision After Christmas Party Kills Four in Ohio. Four people were killed Sunday when a minivan carrying a family leaving a Christmas party went the wrong way on an Ohio highway and hit another minivan whose driver and family were going to see grandparents for the holidays, according to police. The head-on collision on Interstate 75 near Franklin took the lives of three adults and a seven-year-old boy and critically injured two other children. Alcohol was a suspected factor. Investigators smelled alcohol in the minivan that was going the wrong way and found a bottle of alcohol in the vehicle. And this is an all-too-sad and common story over the holidays. This is kill season, folks. This is kill season when people drink too much, more than they can handle, and get in a car and kill somebody. And we don't want that to happen. We dread that happening. God help us to prevent that. And my hope and and to prevent that is to bring on board today our special guest, Dr. Jerry Law. Let me tell you about this amazing man. He is a board-certified interventionist, and you've seen the television show, The Intervention. Well, Dr. Jerry, I'm going to call him Dr. Jerry, does a better job, I think. You know, television, they sort of hype it up a little bit, and they dramatize it and speed it up because it's television. And they, But Dr. Jerry will tell you the real scoop about interventions because he doesn't. That's his living. In fact, Christmas Eve, he'll tell you he was doing an intervention. That's what he does for a living. He's also a certified drug, alcohol, and addictions counselor. He's a co-owner of ISA, Intervention and Recovery Specialist, based here in Tempe, Arizona, and he oversees life-changing transformations through the intervention process. Uh, an amazing person, very talented. He's helped me with several of my patients over the past year, identifying alcohol, drug use, and finding them help. So welcome, Dr. Jerry Law. Welcome to the Dr. Connie Show. Thank you, Dr. Connie. It is a delight to be here with you today. Tell us, tell us what you're doing Christmas Eve. Well, we, we received a, a phone call and uh, with someone who needed some help. And, you know, that's just part of this world. If someone reaches out for help, you got to be there. And as you said earlier, if we can change one life, that's really what matters. How did you get into this business? My uh, venture into this business came from personal experience. Uh, I had spent about 25 years in the corporate world and uh, also was doing some ministry work. And uh, along the way, developed a raging addiction to alcohol. I'm an alcoholic. Now, I don't drink, I don't use, but I am an alcoholic. And so part of my own journey into recovery was connecting with uh, another individual here in town, my partner, Dr. Julian Pickens. And uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, Julian is one of the premier interventionists uh, in the country. And he asked me one day if I had an interest in learning about intervention. I knew the word, and that was about it. And I remember saying, uh, okay, sure. And uh, so he had me accompany him on an intervention just shortly thereafter. Scared me to death. However, when it was all said and done, and that individual was on the way to treatment, a little voice on the inside of me said, 
this is what you're supposed to do. Well, when you tell us about more. We're going to talk more about the intervention, what it means. But your career, when you've helped so many people, what's the range? Tell me about the youngest, the oldest. What types of people do you help? Well, addiction is an equal opportunity killer. It doesn't care how old you are or how young you are. I typically uh, don't work a lot with adolescents, but with adults of of, of all ages, um, 18 to 80, I've had the opportunity to uh, help them either in counseling settings and or through the intervention process to get the help they need. How do you know if someone's got a problem? Typically, um, the family contacts me if it's going to be an intervention. The family will contact me, and I offer a complimentary consultation. Come and meet with me in my office, and we'll talk this through. And, and during that interview with those family members, I'm going to ask a lot of key questions that are going to give me some ideas of what's going on in their loved one's life that helps me identify whether or not they've actually crossed that line into addiction. Let's say I'm a, I'm a mom, and I'm going to take the role of one of my patients, and one of my sons, I think, has an alcohol problem. And I'm speaking on behalf of one of my patients. What, what do you ask? Well, you know, there's a clinical definition of, of chemical dependency, but that's really not what people are looking for. They want to know, how do I know? It's a great question. One of the ways that I help them identify that, Dr. Connie, is when I bring them into my office, I will draw a horizontal line across a, a whiteboard. At the far left end of that, I'll write the word use. These are people who just use drugs or alcohol. They're just casual users. Their life is not negatively impacted along the way. In the middle of that line, I draw the word abuse. Now, when a person has ventured from use to abuse, things start to change. Negative consequences start to take place in their life due to their use of these mood-altering chemicals. It could be a loss of a job. It could be a DUI. It could be physical damage to their body caused by the use. Now, most people, when they reach that point of abuse, those negative consequences gets their attention, and they'll reach out for help on their own and move back towards the use line, or end of the line and, and live there for the rest of their lives. Others will continue further down that journey where I write the word dependency. And there's a difference between abuse and dependency. At the dependency level, there are behaviors and symptoms that become quite often the case or, or fairly typical for people who've crossed that line into true addiction. And I'll present uh, three or four of those that are somewhat universal. One being a loss of control. It doesn't mean they've lost control of life. It does mean they've lost control over their use of these substances. Normal people can have a drink, go about their business. Addicts, alcoholics, as soon as they begin to use or drink, because they've crossed that line, they will continue until, until they run out, until it's all gone, until they crash the car, they've lost control. Another indicator is that they will continue to use despite the negative consequences. I have a good friend who is about to celebrate 30 years in recovery. God bless him. That's yeah. amazing. Good. But back when he was actively involved in the disease of alcoholism, um, I'm not sure how many total DUIs he got, but his second DUI arrest happened while driving home from a court appearance for his first DUI. The consequences are just no longer making a change. Uh, a third is a preoccupation. 
getting it, using it, having it, hiding it, stealing it, whatever they have to do, it's pretty much what's on that person's mind all the time. It's not just social drinking or using. And then finally, they have a distorted perception about what's going on. Those around them typically understand this person's in trouble. They don't. And it usually comes out in some form of denial. They may deny they have it, the disease. They may recognize that they are addicted but believe that they can manage it or handle it. Or they may play the role of the victim. Poor me, woe is me, no one can help me. So along that continuum, I will ask people, where do you see your loved one? And it usually becomes pretty evident whether or not they've actually crossed that line into genuine chemical dependency or addiction. I'm always amazed as a physician that when I identify someone who is an alcoholic, they're so angry because it's not, as they say, it's not my problem, it's my wife's problem, it's your problem, doctor, I don't have a problem. And it's a disease that's horrible because it affects so many people. If you get in a car and you kill somebody, it's killed somebody else. It, it destroys your family life. You lose your friends. You lose money. It has repercussions more than any other disease I know. Diabetics don't get divorced over. That's correct. Don't get broke over their diabetes or cancer necessarily. But alcohol is a difficult disease. To, to treat. You can't, can't cure it, correct? No, we don't believe there's a cure, but we do believe there's a solution. And that solution comes through abstinence, but by working an active program of recovery. Uh, I do. I have a sponsor. I go to 12-step meetings. I uh, acknowledge my need for a higher power. I work an active recovery program. And as long as I do that, I don't have a fear in the world about relapse. If I stop doing those things, I know what will happen. I'll go right back to it. Now, do people, should they go to AA routinely? Do you recommend that as part of the recovery? Absolutely. I think 12-step programs are not just necessary. They are crucial for ongoing recovery. What I'm always amazed when I was going through the rehab program as a physician learning about it is when you go to AA meetings, I've been to quite a few, you cannot bullshit these people. You get up there and you try to BS and they will they will make you become honest because there's no way you can bullshit a fellow alcoholic. That's correct. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. And it, we, we recognize what's going on. We know what's going on. And we're welcoming those people to come in and get the help they need. Now, how do people get hold of you? They can reach me uh, either uh, online through my website, www.interventionaz.com, or my phone number, 480 Seven six seven three, or just shoot me an email, Jerry J E R R Y at interventionaz.com. Well, we're going to have those on our website as well. But the part I'm going to look forward to, we're going to do after the break, is talk about how you walk us through an intervention. And I'll present a scenario about somebody, one of my patients, who is really having a rough time with his addiction. Who, who doesn't have a rough time? But uh, let's, let's break in the next few minutes and come back to the Dr. Connie radio show with Dr. Jerry Law, and we're going to talk about intervention. Sounds great. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com. We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Green Living Channel. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to the Dr. Connie House Call Radio Show. Today we have Dr. Jerry Law. Dr. Law, again, is a board-certified interventionist with as well as a certified drug and alcohol addictions counselor. He has his own private practice here in Scottsdale, but he will travel. He will travel, and he's traveled many places cross-country to intervene in people's lives. I look at resolutions, and the, one of the top resolutions is to quit alcohol, but I think one of, the finer, one of the other resolutions you should consider is to save a life, is to touch a life. And I can think of no better way to realize, gee, do I have an alcohol problem? I need to get help. Or does a loved one of in my family have an alcohol problem? And if so, what can I do to get help? So, Dr. Law, I'm going to think of, I have a scenario for you, and it's a true one. I, I just cover up the names. I won't give you names. But I have a wonderful family in my practice, very nice people, good people. And the father, who's about 67, comes from a long line of alcoholics, admittedly so. His father, his brothers all died of alcohol-related disease. He is 67. 
has admits to being an alcoholic, admits to me, uh, was admitted to the hospital about a year ago, because, and the only reason he was admitted is he fell down some stairs, dropped a lung, had a pneumothorax, he couldn't breathe. We brought him into the local hospital. They put a chest tube in. While he was in the hospital, because he couldn't drink alcohol, he had withdrawal and he had delirium tremens, uh, agitation, uh, delirious, high temperature. I mean, I, he almost died. Uh, in his hallucinatory to, his state, he even pulled out the chest tube that they put in. He was talking to people. He was paranoid on and on. He finally was able to be discharged, which was a miracle, and was angry at the hospital. He was angry at me for putting him in. He was angry at everybody. And when I finally got him to my office, I sat him down, and I said, you are an alcoholic, are you not? And he says, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, and you're not going to do anything about it. I said, will you make a deal with me? And he said, what? And I said, I acknowledge that, that you've made a decision to drink, and I can't stop you. You have to want to do that. You have to find enough reason to stop. But if you're going to kill yourself, which you will, this will kill you, promise me that when you drink, you don't get in a car and kill somebody else. You don't kill one of my kids or my friend's kids or anybody I care about or anybody else's kid. You just stay home and decide to do that. Do you promise that? And he says, all right, I will. So I know he's still drinking. He promises he doesn't get in the car. His wife drives him. In the meantime, life goes on, and his 40-year-old son, who went through alcohol rehab at Betty Ford 20 years ago, uh, is now dying. He is 40 years old, ladies and gentlemen. He has end-stage liver failure from alcoholism. The only save really can be a liver transplant, but they're not going to give it to you unless you're sober for at least six months. And he refuses. He's angry at everybody. So they brought him home to die. He's a 40-year-old man who's going to die from this addiction. And it is not a funny story. It is a sad story. It's a tragic story. So Dr. Jerry Law, Dr. Law, what I'm going to probably do as I look at this family, they're going to lose their son. I will predict he will probably die within six months from his liver failure because he's going to still drink. I will have a father and mother who are devastated. And I'm going to call you to talk to the mom because she's the one who really most of the time asks for help. So the mom calls, and she calls you, and she's going to call for help about her husband now because that's all she has. What would you say, Dr. Law? Well, I'm certainly going to empathize with the situation. It's so tragic. As I mentioned earlier, one of the services I provide is, is a consultation. So I'm going to ask that wife and mom if she'll come meet with me and maybe bring a couple of other people, not her husband at this time. We're going we're gonna to have a good conversation about what's going on. I want to really understand the background and how long this has been going on. Is an intervention clinically appropriate? Once that decision has been made, then we're going to talk about how we're going to move forward. Um, we need to find a treatment center. And while I'm not affiliated with any, I work with treatment centers all over the country. So I'll be able to connect the family with an appropriate treatment center. Then we're going to talk about who's going to be on that intervention team. I'm looking for people who that man, in this case, loves or respects or admires or would not want to disappoint. Incre uh, important people, critical people in his life, who are willing to come together in a life-saving effort. Because I believe in facilitating interventions based on love, care, and concern. It's not beating people up. 
It's not criticism. It's not judgment. That doesn't move anyone forward to get help. Do you ever include children? Because one of the people he loves the most is his nine-year-old grandson. He thinks the world of this little boy. I would not include a nine-year-old boy, but I might have the boy write a letter or draw a picture or have a photo of that child there, some way that he's present, but he's too young to, okay. to physically participate. Sure. The next step is uh, pulling together that team. Now, the way I practice intervention, I'm going to spend somewhere between 8 and 12 hours face-to-face with that team, training them, preparing them, helping them understand exactly what we're doing. We're going to do a full rehearsal of the intervention itself in which everyone has an opportunity to say out loud what they're going to say to him in advance. We'll talk that through, maybe make some changes there. We'll rehearse overcoming objections that he might bring up. We'll rehearse how we're going to get him there after the intervention. We really rehearse this well so that this is not a random, sloppy approach. Do you give them a script to follow, or is it just from their own words? Are they... I train them on how to write a script. I want them to have a script or a letter at the actual intervention. I want them to stay with it. I don't want people talking off the top of their head. Mm -hmm. This is not about arguing. This is not about fighting. I will shut down anyone who tries to fight with this individual. He can fight, but we're not going to fight back. So I spend a great deal of time training the individuals on how to write this script according to a very precise outline. Now, when they come in, I mean, you've already lined them up. How long does it take to get everything ready and lined up? You know, I've gone from uh, an initial consultation to the actual intervention in as short as two days. Wow. Or as long as a couple of months. It depends on the the situation. Sometimes the family says, we must have um, these three people present, but they can't be available until six weeks from now or whatever the case may be. Now, when you set up the intervention... The, the person who's being intervened, they, they have no idea this is going to happen. That is correct. I do practice a non-invitational model. In other words, that person doesn't know what we're doing until we're ready to invite him or her into the process. And then we are ready. So when they walk in, what do you usually see? Well, it's, it's everything from uh, surprise to anger to I knew this was coming to where's the TV cameras. Wow. It's, a, it's a wide variety of responses. But our goal is to welcome that person in, let them know that they are not threatened, and have them take a seat so that the family can share their love, care, and concern. How long does it take that, that one session when you first meet with them? You know, I've had interventions, the actual interventions, last anywhere from an hour to six or eight hours, oh depending on the situation. We've done interventions where the person left, and so we followed them to another location to continue the intervention. It's very case-specific. How often do they just say, I'm not doing this, and they walk out? Well, the, that surprisingly to a lot of clients, that rarely happens. Good. Rarely, rarely, rarely happens, though we are prepared for it. We actually rehearse that. Should the individual walk in and tell us all to take a leap and yeah. leave, we, are, we have rehearsed how we're going to respond to that. What do you say to them? In that, in the case when that they, they leave, yeah, so I'm not going to have any. In fact, I can imagine that my patient, who's been through Betty Ford, mm-hmm. and say, "I'm not having anything to do with this, guys. I'm an alcoholic. I know it, and it's none of your business." Well, if if they'll if they'll stay in the room, I'm going to continue to ask them to just. All we're asking you to do is listen, mm-hmm. and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Just take your seat. Your family wants to share their their love with you as well as some concerns. Then you'll have an opportunity to talk, and that's all there is to it. If they leave the room, if they physically walk out, 
I will have prepared two or three key individuals to follow him, and using their words, ask them to come back in. But ultimately, the bottom line is letting the individual know, we're having this meeting today, whether you stay or not, and important decisions are being made today that impact and affect your life forever. Now, it's to your benefit to participate, but if you choose not to, we're having the meeting anyway, Mm -hmm. because everything changes the day of the intervention. Whether that individual chooses treatment or not, everything is going to change. What kind of things will change? Give me, let's say you've prepared the wife there and you've given her, you've rehearsed what she's going to say. And he says, I'm not going to quit. What would a wife typically tell her husband? The message that is always sent is, we as your family love you, but the only thing we're going to support going forward is recovery. The enabling is over. Any manipulation you're doing of us is over. Anything that we've been doing that has promoted or allowed this to continue is over. The message is recovery. And if you choose to accept our offer, there's wonderful consequences. You get the help, and we do too. But if you choose not to accept the help we're offering, you need to understand how our individual relationships with you are changing as of right now. Not someday. We don't ever put out threats. But these are the consequences of his choice. It's always about choices and consequences. I like that. That, that to me, because a lot of them feel paranoid. You're picking on me. You don't like it. I don't have, you know, I don't have a problem. And I think you're approaching it with an attitude of love and sharing and from people who he respects. That's correct. We're going to respect his dignity. Right. And if he chooses not to accept the help that day, we'll respect that. However, he needs to understand that everything changes today. And in some cases, the wife may say, I'm leaving. I'm not going to live in the same house with you until you choose to get help. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be specific to each individual, uh, the consequences, based on their relationship to the individual. Now, let's say they said, okay, I'm going to go. I'll go. What, what happens next? They go to treatment then, because behind the scenes, before ever sitting down with that individual, all of those arrangements have been made. A treatment center is on board. A bed is waiting. The individuals who are going to accompany that person to the treatment center, whether it's by car or airplane, whatever the case may be, everyone is ready so that when he says yes, it's hugs and kisses, and now it's time to head for the treatment center. Do you drive them? Occasionally. uh, I I do require uh, a family member or two who were at the intervention to accompany him. I want that person to feel comfortable with who's taking them to the treatment center. I may or may not go depending on the mood and the situation. Now, once you've lined that up, you you know, they leave. I mean, you've already lined up the hospital or the facility like Betty Ford or one of the ones here in Arizona. That's already set up. So they know they're going to be coming if that happens. That is correct. And while that person is in treatment, I stay involved. I don't just go away. I get regular weekly updates from the individual's primary therapist and help the family understand what's going on in treatment because this disease isn't just about the individual, it's about the entire family and my job is to help that family. That's the disease of alcoholism, it's the hardest to treat, but there's hope for you out there. If you have a family member or if you're struggling with it, please call Dr. Jerry Law who's our our guest today on the Dr. Connie radio show. We're going to break in a few minutes, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about alcoholism and how treating it can change your life and help the lives of others through intervention. Stay tuned.
Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated. Hear about success stories and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Thank you all for listening in. I'd like to say hello to Captain Jeff Becklin in Maui. He's our ship's captain. Uh, every time we go there, it's Captain Jeff. Uh, I think he does offer alcohol on board, but we never imbibe. We usually have fruit juice. But he's a great guy. If you're ever going to Maui, go to Trilogy Excursions. As for Captain Jeff Becklin, he's a wonderful guy. He's one of our dearest friends. Uh, one of the questions came up. Andrew, do we have a caller call in as well? We do. We have a question for Dr. Jerry. Um, you know, you just explained to us the process of what happens, you know, going through intervention for a family's loved one. What happens to the family? Do you stay, uh, what do you do with them when their loved one is off in treatment? And then also when that loved one comes back, what is the process from there? Wonderful question. Thank you for that. One of the fallacies or misunderstandings of intervention is that it's all about just getting the loved one to treatment, and then the rest of us can sit back and relax, and he's going to come back cured, and life goes on. That's not the way this works. The entire family has been impacted by the disease, and the entire family needs recovery on some level. So while uh, the individual is in treatment, as I mentioned earlier, part of my job is to continue to stay actively involved with the family. 
I will not only get updates from the treatment center to be able to relay back to the family, but I'm going to talk to the family about, now, what are you guys doing to get the help you need? Are you going to Al-Anon meetings? Are you going to a PAL meeting? There are an organization based here in Phoenix that's a, a faith-based um, recovery program for family members. Are you aligning yourselves up, family, to go to the family week or family weekend component that the treatment center offers? You've all got to get help because where there's an alcoholic, there's more than one codependent who has enabled that disease to continue. That's got to stop. The entire family system needs healing. So I'm going to continue to encourage that family, connect them with therapists if they need it. I'll see them myself multiple times uh, after the intervention so that that family can get the help that they need. One of the things we learn in recovery is that we're going to have to change a lot. And uh, one of the, the uh, fun sayings is, I'm going to have to change playmates, play places, and play things. And so the family's going to have to get involved in that. That doesn't mean the family can't continue to be uh, casual drinkers, but it does mean they're going to have to recognize that when their loved one comes home, things are going to have to change, uh, not only in the for themselves, but also in the environment, that home environment. If uh, their loved one comes home to, to the exact same environment that he or she left, their odds for long-term recovery are greatly diminished. So it is about getting help for yourselves as the family members, while your loved one is obtaining the treatment. That's amazing. My hope that one of you, two of you, many of you out there, family members will call Dr. Jerry Law for for assistance on this because I think there's so many people out there who could use your help. Tell me, what's your success rate? We've been tracking this for years, and the good news is between 85 and 90% of the individuals that, uh, that we intervene on, if I may say it that way, choose treatment the day of the intervention. Now, of the 10, 15% that don't, about half will go to treatment within a relatively short period of time, providing the family stays firm in the consequences and boundaries that they put in place the day of the intervention. It's a profoundly powerful process. Do you ever get discouraged with what you do? Do you get does it bring you down? It's a, it sounds to me very stressful, very time intensive. Is it? What's the hardest thing about what you do? Well, it's very intense. Um, the emotions run high. You know, I really have to do several interventions along the road to getting to the intervention because I've got a family that's that's uh, been hurt. Uh, family members uh, often, some of them would rather do anything but this. Others would just like to drag the person off in chains. I've got to make a team out of all of those people. Uh, the preparation is what is, is most critical, and often the preparation is more difficult. As a recovering alcoholic myself, I often say the alcoholic is easy. It's the family that can be the biggest challenge. So quite often getting that family unified and helping them understand that this is a disease, not just uh, their loved one's choice any longer, can be the biggest challenge. I do see that in my private practice. The, the wife will come in and say, I am really concerned about my husband's alcoholism. Can't you fix him? Right. They give it back to you or me and say, you need to fix him. I say, well, what about you? You know, We can work on him, but we need to work on you as well as part of that. But I really am hopeful that somebody out there will hear this and will get help. 
One of the things I'm amazed about by you, Dr. Jerry Law, is not only do you go and touch lives and intervene and really make a difference, but you, you find other ways to celebrate life and relationships. Tell the audience what else you do. You know, Dr. Connie, life is about balance. And if we don't have uh, balance, we, we struggle and fail. And that was certainly my case that led to a lot of my choices to, to consume alcohol. Uh, and in my own life, in addition to the counseling and intervention work that I do, uh, I am incredibly privileged to work with my wife in a uh, ministry we have that is a wedding ministry. My wife is truly the most talented writer I've ever met and creates the most amazing wedding ceremonies. So we create and we conduct custom wedding ceremonies. How long have you been doing that? That's amazing. Well, I've done weddings for a number of years, but really it's been about the last seven or eight years that we've done it at the level we currently So are. you can marry them, right? She writes the script. She writes the ceremony, and I perform the ceremony. Uh, we, we joke with one another. I say I get the best job, and she says she gets the best job. <laughs> How do people find you if they want, want you to marry them? We have a good website, uh, and, and we are uh, considered a, a preferred vendor, if you will, at a lot of the wedding venues around the valley, and, and a lot of word of mouth. What's your website for that one? Well, that one is www.fromthisdayforward.com. Now, when you meet a couple for the first time, can you tell it's going to work? Not really. I don't know that you can tell, but you can certainly sense uh, if something is amiss. What's your advice for a long, happy marriage? Communication. It's all about communication. And communication doesn't mean talking. It means listening. Well, with thank you for all of you for listening. Um, Dr. Jerry Law, our time is running short. I want to thank you for all the lives you touch and all the people you help. Be prepared. I think you're going to get a lot of calls this holiday season and hopefully in the next year from people looking for help and for intervention because I really think your message will reach out to them. And if we can touch at least one person, we would have made a huge difference. So all of you, please, God bless you all. Have a wonderful new year coming up. And one of your resolutions is to listen to the Dr. Connie Radio House Calls every Thursday. We're here on voiceamerica.com. Please tune in to Dr. Connie House Calls, and we wish you all a wonderful new year. God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.